frenzied perfection, four Bandonian Easters, wielding their instruments of fiercest love, take us on some demented ghost train through the underworld while violins scream above. Working the bellows of Hephaestus Forge, the gaucho, Amazonian warrior, Viking, and hobbit in the front, behind the line of ponytails, their confident pose striking. Beside them, wearing sunglasses, too cool for school, is the viola's gravitas. Amid the flashing lights inscrutable, a deeper shadow his enigma casts. The bass, meanwhile, with his relentless grind, fuels the engine, and a human cry echoes from the abyss of desolation, infinite distance, calling across time. In 3-3-2 time, tension builds and builds, ratcheting up till reaching fever pitch. And then, the climax of La Comezon, Del Corazon, scratching the urgent itch. Piano and violoncello swell the sound, akin to Orpheus in music's power. Cascading semitones in rhythmic thrust, driving out demons at the witching hour. Yet with this tumble to infernal depths, the orchestra Fernandez Fierro make a heaven of hell, a joyous nightmare. in which to sleep is better than to wake. My name is Abdil Leroy. Author, poet, narrator, voice actor, all-round creative genius. Welcome to the Poet Prophetic Podcast, I just opened with Encendido from my book, Well Versed. It's a tribute to the tango orchestra, Orquesta Típica Fernández Fierro, whom I met in Buenos Aires. And with their permission, I set this poem to one of their tracks, Marajada, which means heavy seas. As always, towards the end of this episode, I'll let you know which book you can get free on Amazon this coming Friday. In the meantime, here's the next instalment from my audiobook of Elijah, which you can get on Audible, Amazon, iTunes, Kobo, pretty much wherever audiobooks are sold. It's about a four, four and a half hour read. And this is from book seven, where Elijah is on Mount Sinai and God comes to him in earthquake, wind and fire, and then in a whisper. Enjoy. Elijah wakes content, restored, recharged, reaches to hold his girl impulsively. But she, having her human part discharged, perched on a rock, awaits him patiently. Her glossy plumage shining radiantly, orange on black the setting sun highlights. Again, the beady eye on him alights. Well, Raven, we have made our pact. Let's go. I must keep my appointment with the Lord. Then keep thy promise, thy body bestow, for I would have my journey's end's reward soon as I can. If we're of one accord, lead on. Says he, somewhat unwillingly, for still her scent lingers invitingly.
Short flight she takes, a little way ahead. He trudges steadily behind her lead. Every midday lays down his weary head. In cooler hours they again proceed, the angel food empowering his speed. He travels forty days and forty nights, until Mount Sinai comes within his sights. A moment pauses he to take it in, noting the blackened summit where Yahweh came down in fire and thunder with a din of trumpet blasts. The whole mountain that day shook violently. All seeing the display trembled. To meet with Moses, God descended. To meet with God, the two brothers ascended. The raven to Elijah's shoulder flies as if to look with him. His hand he steers toward the bird, which to his wrist applies its claws. Immediately his spirit cheers to feel a female touch, for now appears, renewed in beauty, standing by his side, the gorgeous goddess, his unearthly bride. An awe-inspiring spectacle. No doubt some revelation there's awaiting thee. She says, you're headed to that place devout, its sacred ground and hallowed sanctuary. The prophet answers, Yes, it's calling me. The holy mount where Moses met the Lord, then came back to an idol-praising horde. Adina, nestling next Elijah's chest, her eyes into his gaze, their deep black hue, inquiring silently to his request at journey's end to give her promise due, if seeing Sinai was their coupling cue. The prophet knows her question, though unspoken, but other passions have in him awoken. Adina, I'll not hold you to your pledge. The mountain calls me now, there my heart tends. Later, therefore, would I my claim allege, for close at hand the mighty Lord attends. Follow the inclination thy heart lends, replies the goddess with a tender kiss upon Elijah's lips. Follow thy bliss. Thou art my bliss, though bliss has other guises. I know, including all my sisters. She teasing replies, we come in different sizes. The prophet laughs, and how abundantly at Cherith Brook you all took care of me. Poor shadows of the bliss to come, but while you are on earth, our honour to beguile. Adina, I will miss you, but hope yet as you return this time our next meeting will not be long in coming. His eyes wet, Elijah kisses her, and... Give my greeting to your fair sisters six, however fleeting are mortal joys. By their touches of grace, I was held in eternity's embrace. Let us these final steps together pace. Adina says, her arm behind his back, his arm about her shoulders, love's embrace. They to the mountain's foot together track, I scanning the terrain and summit black. Some remnant of a shrine they pass beside, of uncut stone beneath the mountainside. Here stops Adina, pointing out a cave. There, 
meet the Lord. It's a gentle command. From there, his word thy coming step shall pave. Elijah shields his eyes, peers where her hand has pointed, and ponders what God has planned. When suddenly the stir of wings he hears, a glossy raven by his side appears. It flies up to the cave just pointed out, twice circles, then over the summit flies. Elijah feels a pang of loss and doubt, seeing her depart. Farewell! The prophet cries. A squawk in echo seemingly replies. Elijah with a sigh begins to climb the rubble surface, eroded by time. Some vestige of that strength the angel gave remains to aid the man's ascent, and by the time the sun is setting, he the cave attains, sits near its entrance, scans the sky. How would the Lord appear to him, and why had he been summoned now? The gloom of night settles into his heart, consumes him quite. I thought Mount Carmel a great victory, but here I am alone. Adin is left, and Abdiel I know not where. Just me, without companion, of friends bereft, watching the twilight from this mountain cleft. Why did God choose me for this life of pain? Why was I spared when so many were slain? The prophet, making of his cloak a bed, sinks wearily. Despair begins its creep into his troubled mind with kindred dread. Nightmarish scenes into his senses seep, heavy his heart and robbed of restful sleep, that when the dawn appears with churlish grace, it finds no welcome in Elijah's face. He sits up, yawns and groans, for headache sits upon his right eye, its oppressive hold showing no mercy as its pulsing hits spread slowly through his brain, till hot and cold in unrelenting turns upon him doled. He lies back down, his thumb and finger pressed upon his throbbing temples, sore distressed. He hisses his resentment to the Lord. God curse the day that I was born, the night they said a boy is born and cut the cord. Deep shadow, darkness, overwhelm its light, bare, barren, and bereft of joyous sight. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb, or stillborn lie? The prophet's stomach starting to convulse, he staggers past the entrance to fresh air, a few steps managing before impulse to vomit overtakes him, hurling there behind a shrub onto the terrain bare. He heaves a few times, stands up straight again. At least the headache's somewhat better then. Nearby there is a pool of water, clean and cool and clear. He plunges his hands in, scooping the water to his visage lean and tired rinses his sour mouth and chin, and with fresh handfuls bathes his dusty skin. His nausea much relieved, he lies beside the kindly pool that soothing touch supplied. He looks up to a sky of greyish hue, a dull reluctant overture today, turns over and his own reflection views, backlit by silvery cloud tinged with sun's ray. Gently his fingers on the surface play, 
wince, rippling light that his focus absorbs, eyes looking into his as fiery orbs. The startled prophet shakes his head and blinks, unsure if he is dreaming. Gone now is the scene that brief appeared, or so he thinks. He sees but sky, the only visage his. As fantasy he may the scene dismiss, till idly stirring the surface again, those eyes resplendent reappear then. Upward he turns to see who looks, but there is only broken cloud above. Once more turns back upon the strange mirage to stare, and only sky reflects there as before. Yet he finds fingers' motion will restore the strange illusion. Are those eyes his own, or are they someone else's herein shown? The prophet, somewhere between dread and awe, wonders if here to learn his assigned task. Her visage glimmers in that watery floor, a golden glow. Who are you? The man asks. Her calming voice replies. The first and last, the living one, the word made flesh, true vine, the power of God, wisdom of God are mine. The resurrection and the life, the yes to all God's promises, I hold the keys of death and Hades, and am come to bless. All treasures of knowledge are hid in me. I was with God in the beginning. All that is, that ever was, was made through me. From heaven I saw Satan as lightning fall. I am the way. I am God's mystery. The cornerstone of God's temple. I am the good shepherd, bringer of grace and truth, light of the world, of life, the son of man. Remain in me as I remain in you. By now, the water's still, the image gone. Trembling, the man again the surface stirs. Restored, the sun-bright eyes he looks upon, dares once more with the image to converse. Then I have faith, unless my judgment errs. You are the one for whom the prophets yearn. Pray tell me then what I'm here to learn. A moment's silence, then comes the inquiry. What are you doing here, Elijah? I have been most zealous for the Lord Almighty. He answers, many snares in Israel lie. They have forsook thy covenant, and by the sword your prophet slain. Alone I'm left, none else alive, of hope and home bereft. The water still again, Elijah goes to tap the surface, when, without his aid, ripples appear, stir in unbidden flow. The prophet stands, as all the earth is swayed then runs for safety to the cave, afraid lest rocks above by this tremor sent down should fall on him and fell him to the ground. But sheltering, he hears the voice command, the voice that spoke when in the pool he stared. Arise, Elijah. At the entrance stand, I am about to pass by. This declared, the man of God can scarcely be prepared for what follows. A wind so strong, it tears the very rocks, the mountain scours bare. 
So great the force of rushing air, it takes Elijah's breath away. The heaving earth, jolted with violent convulsions, shakes as when creation felt its pangs of birth. God laid the world's foundation, marked its girth. Swept off his feet, the man lies on the ground. Now, bolts of fire are raining down around. Elijah knows not whether to return deep in the cave, fearing it may collapse on him, or go out and be struck or burned, opts to remain, hoping this onslaught lapse, where God had placed him, safest place perhaps. Sensations overwhelmed, startled and dazed, he trembles as rocks tumble and trees blaze. But God is neither in the wind, earthquake or fire. Eventually, when all subsides, the fires smouldering, the earth ceasing to shake, a gentle voice, like whispering, presides. Elijah rises, in his mantle hides his face, somewhat to keep off smoke and dust, and waits to hear what God to him entrust. Ere long, he hears again the same inquiry. What are you doing here, Elijah? I have been most zealous for the Lord Almighty. He answers, Many snares in Israel lie. They have forsook thy covenant, and by the sword your prophet slain. Alone I'm left, none else alive of hope and home bereft. But it was the prophets of Baal they killed most recently, and that at thy demand, rivers of blood the Kishon Valley filled. Many there are in my beloved land, yet willing to defy a king's command. The voice replies, Nor have they bowed to Baal, seven thousand whose courage did not fail. Go back the way you came, and appoint Hazael as king of Syria. Also, Jehu as king of Israel anoint, and to Elisha son of Shaphat go, on him, Elijah, thy mantle bestow. He who the sword of Hazael evades, even the house of Ahab, Jehu slays. Where shall I find this man Elisha? asks the prophet. He is still a boy, replies the voice, but he shall emulate thy tasks when grown to manhood with your guidance. Wise beyond his years, whose soul with yours allies. Nor will you need to seek him out, for he, led by his heart, in time will come to thee. And is Jehu that warrior king of whom the angel told? He spoke of Ahab's friends, chief men and priests being killed, the doom of Ahab's sons, their severed heads that ends the dynasty, and thus his wrong amends. That was the message Abdiel brought to me. Is't so? The voice replies with one word. He. Thus may a seeker ask for clarification, having inquired of God, as should befit a prophet, and extend the conversation. They who into God's care their lives commit, treasure wisdom, of whom the sage has writ, she is a garland and a crown of splendour, esteemed, exalted, and embraced protector.
So a couple of new additions to the Versus Versus Empire series. Get it? It's a homonym. This one's called Witless, which is a pun on the acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker. Even Jeff Sessions, rotten to the core, that child-hating racist fired by tweet, was over-principled for Donald Trump. A more compliant puppet takes the seat. His naked mandate of obstructing justice has Trump echoes Nixonian disdain for principle. He seeks not term of office but ever to enjoy a monarch's reign. And this one's called Backlash, about the midterm elections last week. A culture shift was signalled in this vote. The youngest ever congresswoman, two Native American women, two Muslim, to flip the house from red to bluer blue. His topsy-turvy logic ever active, Trump calls this victory, hails it success, who goaded righteousness by evil acts. He meant to curse. The outcome was to bless. So before I go, mark your calendar for the book giveaway on Amazon UK, Amazon US this Friday. It's going to be Versus Versus Empire. Get it? It's a homonym. Volume 2. The Obama Era. So if you got the giveaway from last week, which was Volume 1, The Bush Era, this is the next one in the series. I have a few free books at the moment, so if you want to know how to get them, you can join my readers list at poetprofit.com slash contact, where profit is spelt P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Again, that's poetprofit.com slash contact. Okay, until next week, this has been... Abdil Leroy.